everybody, and welcome back to the Redacted Podcast, where we will talk about what's really on your mind right now. That's right, we'll be talking about the essential services of public health. Today on the show, we'll be diving into an essential service you've probably all heard about. That's right, today we will be discussing the third essential service with the audience at home, and that service being to inform, educate, and empower about health issues across Canada. Wow, those words just sound so right in that sentence. Anyway, I'm here to introduce you three lovely guests who will be with me on the podcast today. Why don't you introduce yourselves? Thanks, Scott. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I was invited here to the Redacted podcast to talk to you about my study of interest, public health. My goal today is to really convince you guys how important education about public health really is in order to empower and inform all those who public health issues affect, and that is just about everyone on the planet. Please welcome my friend, Jessica. Thank you, Sarah. Hey, everyone. My name is Jessica. I'm currently a master's student for public health at the University of Waterloo, which means that I'm furthering my education to do with policies about health. I am excited to be here on the Redactive Podcast to talk about how important it is that everyone is informed and educated about public health. Also, I would like to talk about how important it is that we empower people about public health issues. Next is Tyler. Hello, my name is Tyler, and I'm currently completing an MBA at Western University after completing undergrad at Ivy Business at Western as well. I think my part today in your redacting podcast is to bring in a business perspective and understand how ineffective or effective the process of informing, educating, and empowering health of a nation can be through a financial lens. All right, now that everyone on the podcast has been introduced, let's get back to the topic. So first, I think it's important we discuss what exactly is an essential service in public health. Because between the foundations and the principles, the key values, and the public health approach, I mean, there's a lot of ways someone can get confused about all of these definitions. So formally, an essential service of public health is defined as a necessary system that any public health institution should have. There are 10, or about 10, public health services that all communities should undertake. Basically, in layman's terms, every public health system must offer these services where their system would be beneficial towards the public. There are 10 essential services that are divided into three categories, which you all probably know, but I'll say again, assessment, policy development, and assurance. The service that we will be talking about today, which is, again, to inform, educate, and empower people about health issues, falls under the second category, policy development. And by the way, all these fantastic definitions come from the CDC itself, so you know it's top of the line information. Now, Sarah, I want to ask you, what do you think about the Inform, Educate, and Empower service? How is it applicable to your field, and do you have a specific case study to talk to? Well, after thorough research into vaping, I believe it is a great example of the implementation and idea of Educate, Inform, and Empower. Initially, vaping was educating people of the serious dangers of smoking and all but begging people to quit. It was healthier and smarter and a way of still getting a fix of nicotine but not dooming yourself to a future of cancer via combustible tar. We as a society even went as far as making vapes available in convenience stores and many other places so that they were just as accessible as cigarettes and eliminating that potential barrier. However, that obviously backfired and quite honestly was a colossal failure. But that didn't stop us from learning and turning this failure into yet another opportunity to provide the population with accurate and up-to-date information as we have come to realize that vaping is not better than smoking and it is really just another bad habit to have. So again, we're in a position where to educate, inform, and empower is critical to helping the population. Sarah, 
you talk about how we now have to inform, educate, and empower a nation about vaping. And I agree with you that Canada is now on the more harmful side of vaping and its evolution to our adults and more importantly our youth and how we're taking advantage of it. However, we must think about as a country at what cost. Advertising and educating an entire nation as a process and mechanisms that appear to have little to no harm is a big task, and it brings into question the financial and political costs of this problem. Millions of dollars in the budget is already being allocated inefficiently towards the harmful effects of cigarettes, and yet there is still a substantial amount of cigarettes smokers in Canada. From a study of UIO itself found in 2017 that 4.6 million Canadians still smoke. My biggest concern, along with millions of other Canadians, where is this money coming from, and where is the effort coming from to combat this problem? Now, Tyler, I can see that some health initiatives do cost a lot, but it is at this expense that we are able to aid and even save lives. Without education of health and how to care for yourself properly, our society is much worse off. Also, without this education, it can definitely come at a larger cost later down the line when minor health issues have become much larger due to an inability to care for oneself adequately. In addition to the stat you gave, this is in opposition to 83% of the population smoking in the 50s. Smoking rates have gone down due to education. In this train of thought, and to draw vaping in again, it is going to cost much more to our healthcare system to treat serious cases of popcorn lung, which you can read more about in an article titled Popcorn Lung and Obliterans, a critical appraisal by David Galbraith and David Whale, and other lung diseases caused by vaping, than it is going to cost to spread awareness and education of the dangers of vaping. And to speak your language, these costs will of course be covered through our taxes and it will take more to cure and treat serious disease opposed to the cost of educating and informing. Those sound like some pretty good points, Sarah and Tyler. Let's hear Jessica now. What's your opinion on this? Do you have any other examples of health issues in Canada that revolve around informing, educating, and empowering the nation? Thank you, Scott. Well, firstly, I think we should define what informing, educating, and empowering means. Informing in Canada would mean to present facts on particular health issues within widespread media. Educating, however, is more specific to our Canadian curriculum and how our youth perceive health issues. And lastly, empowering is providing Canadian citizens with the power and authority to improve on health issues. Next, I'd like to tell you a little bit about my opinion on informing, educating, and empowering. But in order to do so, I'm actually going to talk about an older example of a public health intervention that really changed public health for the better. I'm sure we all know the story about the hospital with two maternity wards, where, where more women were dying in the medical students section than the midwife section. Ignace Simowes is the doctor who figured out the reason that so many women were dying in the medical students' maternity wards. This is because the medical students were doing labs on cadavers in the morning, then going straight to the maternity wards and not washing their hands first. He named this sepsis. Hold up. Tell us more about this study with the hospital wards. Like, what was that about? Well, sure, Scott. This situation forced the medical schools to add to their curriculum policies about handwashing and educating the medical students as to why this is important. They also had to inform the patients as to why this was important, and now that they had to start washing their hands as well in order to reduce the amount of illness being spread, etc. Now, it is important that we empower people to wash their hands regularly so as to avoid the spread of germs, illnesses, and just for good general hygiene. 
If you would like to read more about this situation with the medical students and the midwives in the maternity ward, I highly suggest that you read the article titled The Doctor Who Championed Handwashing and Briefly Saved Lives. This can be found on npr.org. Okay, my part here is done. Hey, Mr. Business, what do you think about what Sarah and I have input to this discussion? Jessica brings up a different point about health issue and how it combats in regards to handwashing. I would 100% agree with this on the business end of it. Handwashing is advertised across Canada in public bathrooms and everywhere as the most effective way to stop the spread of disease, like in the sepsis example that you brought up a long time ago in the hospitals. Most people may not know this, but handwashing is also the most lucrative health investment ever recorded. Since it saves billions in the healthcare costs and very little to place and it costs very little to place educational signs across Canada on handwashing. According to a study conducted by the World Health Organization concerning the financial benefits of hand hygiene, it costs a particular hospital on average $1.42 to admit hand hygiene practices and saved an average of $100 per disease averted, which can be equated to exponential amounts of hospital savings and therefore better resource allocation within the hospitals and finally better treatment for the patients. All right, let's tone it down a bit. You've all made your cases, so let me make mine. Now, I want to bring it back and talk about exactly what informed, educated, empowered people about health issues, even memes. Well, I think it's pretty self-explanatory, and it does apply to each of your topics. So the only term I think that needs to be defined here is people. So people can have two meanings here. It can either mean the population that is affected by the intervention or the group administrating the intervention. It is key that both of these groups are informed about health issues because during an intervention, you want the researchers to be effective when giving the intervention, and you want the target population to, firstly, be educated about what is happening to them, and secondly, you want them to retain that information so they can defend themselves in the future. Scott, you're so right. Aspects of health like this are so variant and differently applicable based off of who and what we're talking about. Without this flexibility and adaptability of our policies, ethics, and values, we really wouldn't be anywhere in the health world. Thanks, Sarah. So anyways, the term health issues refer to literally whichever health issue you apply yourself to. The health issue can range from car accidents, HIV cases, food safety, strokes, or anything that Sarah, Jessica, or Tyler have talked about. I'm going to open up the floor again. Where do we agree or disagree on certain topics? I'll say something. I agree with you, Sarah. And I think I've said all that needs to be said about my case. Something as common as washing hands is still just as important today as it was when it was implemented many years ago. Sometimes, because of how common it currently is, we forget its importance. But as mentioned with my example earlier, we can see how dangerous it would be not to implement hand washing in our everyday lives. We have come a long way when it comes to this, as hand washing was a major issue across the globe. We have worked over the years to solve this issue through educating, informing, and empowering. In saying this, it is important to note that a cultural change was needed for hand washing to be adopted, as this was not a part of people's everyday lives in the different parts of the world. You must agree, Tyler, that the proactive money invested now will surely be less than the reactive money spent later. That's a very good point, but we're getting short on time, and I think we should start wrapping things up a little bit. I must admit, you guys have presented numerous ways to show me that money is not everything in life, and complex problems relating to our nationwide health is far more important in the long term. Thank you again, Scott, for having us today.
Yeah, thank you. This has been an amazing opportunity to share my passion and to be able to further the depth at which my belief lies. It has been a pleasure sharing my knowledge and receiving different kinds of perspectives from all of you. Thank you again, Scott, for having us on your platform. Well, there you have it, folks. Pure, uncut, raw emotion about public health. That's all the time we have for today. Have a good night. Scott, signing off.